This is Trav Johnson with the Access the Story podcast, discovering more about faith formation, culture, and the story of God. You can follow us at accessthestory.com or you can follow me at travjohnson.com. So I found church really hard and I just didn't really want to go towards the end because yeah. I felt um, on the outer. Yeah. And as someone who's always in church um, in my adult life, always been on the yeah. inner, yeah. <laughs> that was really hard. Beth Hoy brings a ton of integrity with her in her role with Baptist Churches of South Australia. Having been a youth pastor and chaplain, she now advocates for those who are doing the same. And she's a prophetic voice exhorting communities of faith to embrace all generations in their disciple making. It was a privilege to chat with Beth and you might also hear her two-year-old daughter Hosanna enhance her conversation from time to time. So I'm very excited to have Beth Hoy with me in my... Um, well, it is a studio, really. Uh, I have joked before with others about Junction, the op shop being my studio, but um, it does provide a space for Hosanna, who's with yes. us, to play as well. So Hosanna's over the other side. Hello, my, Beth. My two-year-old. Hello. Yes. <laughs> so, I'm more than two years old. You're more than two years old. Yes. Beth is a next-gen ministry facilitator with Baptist Churches SA. He's mm-hmm. married to Llewellyn, who is a cricket fanatic. He is a cricket fanatic. Um, That's um Hosanna is two, and you're also expecting again early next year. February. February. It's coming up quickly. Very exciting. Yeah. Um, And I wondered if you'd just start off by telling us something that you really love about your role. Sure. Um, I was a youth pastor for seven years uh, before some life things changed for me, and I just so believe in uh, investing in the next generation. And so one of the things... Probably my favourite part of my role is that I get to spend time with people who do a job that I really believe in. So uh, being able to invest in the people who are investing in the next generation to me is just such a privilege. And um, my background's in youth ministry, um, so I I can um, relate to the youth pastors on, on that direct experience. Kids ministry is a new aspect of my role, but I just adore the kids ministry mm. workers. They're just so full of life and enthusiasm and take their role so seriously. It's not a token role. And so I really enjoy getting to know that aspect of my role, which is fresh to me in so many ways. So, yeah, yeah that's, that's good. probably my, my favourite part. Okay. So one of the important things I think um, for us in, you know, I guess serving in you know, God's, God's work is to um, be I guess vulnerable enough to pull back the layers of our lives and go. Actually, this is this is me. This is my story. This is what informs yeah. who I am, why I'm here, what I'm doing. Yeah. And so today really is an opportunity just to hear a bit of your story, Beth. If that's uh, if that's okay. If yeah. it's not, um, if it's not, I'm not sure why you're here because that's why I asked you to be here. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, so, um, <laughs> but let's let's start at the beginning. What what when you think about maybe your childhood and life growing up? Yeah. What are some things that that uh, perhaps were important or stand out for you? Yeah, yeah. Um, so my family is a really strong foundation for me. Mm. We're, we're, we're really close and really tight to this very day. And um, we grew up in Adelaide Hills, so I just got lots of great memories of uh, being outside and riding bikes and uh, my brothers being a part of the local football club and mm. almost that kind of country upbringing mm. but really easy access to, to the city. city. Yep. Um, I suppose uh, a significant life event that happened uh, when in my early childhood is the year that I was born is the same year that my dad and mum committed to full-time ministry. Yeah, right. Yep. Full-time supported ministry. So yep. um, that is Mr. Happy, That's darling. Mr. Happy. Woohoo. <laughs> um, you take it back to your play corner. Uh, so 
uh, yeah, we went from my mum being a stay-at-home mum and my dad being a, a full-time private school teacher to um, going down to a single ministry wage. Uh, my dad became a staff worker for Australian Fellowship of Evangelical Students, which oh, yes. is now yep. called ES. Yep. Um, and he was based originally at Flinders and Adelaide Uni. Mm. Um, towards the end of his ministry there, it was just Flinders Uni. Mm. Um, but, yeah, that that completely flipped my family. I'm too young to remember the transition, yeah. um, but that was the reality of my upbringing. Yeah. Um, so I was born into a ministry family yeah. and um, great blessings and great challenges attached to that yeah. upbringing. Yeah. Can you give an example of both of those things? Is it, is it possible yeah. to think about what's a specific blessing or a specific challenge? Yeah. Um, and no, you can't remember that, that transition or that change. Obviously, that's marked... Yeah. You and your, your life growing Definitely. up. Um, yeah, an example of a blessing or a challenge. Uh, um, an amazing blessing is because we four, four kids in this ministry family, uh, we just went along with everything mm. physically. We went with mum and dad with everything that they did, every university training event, every discipleship camp, cool. um, every conference, we were there with them. Mm. My mum would cook, my dad would speak um, mm. or, you know, my mum would run a small group, my dad would facilitate and we were just the kids who would run around people's ankles and sit, in the, and sit on their laps and um, help mum in the kitchen and have like board games that would play while they're in their session times and stuff like that. But one of the great blessings attached to that is that as kids we kind of experience the full effect of my parents' discipleship ministry yeah. without it being watered down or talk down to us because we were kids. Yeah. Because we, we um, and they would, like as a family, we had really intentional discipleship. I consider myself really blessed in that too because I'm now dealing with a generation of people who didn't experience great family discipleship and we're yeah. trying to reintroduce that idea. Yeah. But I, I feel like we, we received that really well. But um, the very depth of uh, my parents' theological understanding and teaching we gained by just being there. Yeah. Um, and so I feel from a really young age I had a very rich understanding of who God was, every single question, and I was always a very deep thinker and a big questioner, mm. always felt like I was given good, solid answers. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I, I, I feel like I had this really solid discipleship from yeah. a young age because of that. So yeah. that was an amazing blessing. Yeah. yeah. Um, challenge? F- probably the biggest challenge is just, well, two, two things would have been um, – the demands that ministry has on the family, sure, um, which I really enjoyed, but not my some of my other brothers and sisters didn't enjoy yeah. so much. Yeah. People um, in ministry families have different experiences yeah. of that, but it really is a commitment of the whole family, mm. and so we couldn't be like other kids and other families in mm. that regard. Um, it kind of takes all of you, and uh, finances probably. Just yeah. um, looking back. I didn't really think twice it was just our normal, the way we had to live, but, you know, just memories of my mum, if Long Life Milk went on special at the local bilo, she was out there there buying six (laughs) slabs of them and they just sit in the laundry. And I didn't know that that wasn't normal. Um, My mum's incredibly frugal. She just knows how to stretch a dollar. Um, But, uh, you know, there were times where my family just didn't have money to do normal things and... um, I think I've shared this story with you before about yeah. one year when we had no idea. I must have been about six, quite young. My, we All four of us would have been sort of ten and under. And mum and dad approaching Christmas about this time of year just had no money to buy us presents. Mm. And, uh, yeah, they were they were really distraught, really distressed. There was just not, a, not an inch to move in the budget. Mm. 
and they didn't know what to do about that. And so um, one of the things I admire about mum and dad is they always tried to make sure that we could be as normal as possible as yeah. in our upbringing despite yeah. the search. That is yeah. from Pokemon. Pokemon. <laughs> you clever girl. Spending too much time with daddy. Um, but, yeah, this this one time they just didn't have anywhere to go and they were trying to figure out how to tell us kids that they Christmas coming and they couldn't afford to yeah. buy us presents. And so they were praying about God to provide something. A couple of days before Christmas, I think it was Christmas Eve or even the day before Christmas Eve, came home from being somewhere and um, on our front doorstep was this um, step was this massive box yeah. with a note on it from one of um, mum and dad's financial supporters just yeah. saying we felt God um, telling us to bless your family and they yeah. bought us a trampoline. Yeah, wow. And so um, mum and dad put this trampoline together and as far as us kids were concerned, well, this was the big Christmas present. Yeah. So we didn't know any different. We, yeah. we had a great present. We had a great time. It was something that um, <laughs> I remember... Like we jumped on that thing until my brother yeah. fell through it one day. Yeah. Like the mat just gave way. Yeah. So it was years and years and years. And so like in that way, um, yes, a great challenge, but God always provided in the midst of that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess that's a challenge, but also something that taught me a lot about the faithfulness of God for the yeah. people who choose to take that path. The long weekend calls out to us. Busy roads, barbecues, speedboats, sunscreen. The story we're living seems so far removed from the story this weekend commemorates. And we know the challenge in schools, churches, or even on the family getaway. Unless we create the opportunity to gather around it, the power of the Easter story is swallowed up by the four-day weekend. That's why we've developed Crushed, an interactive story pack that will enable your group to experience the story afresh. Over 45 minutes, you will journey your group through the five scenes provided and then see how the Easter story might shape your long weekend. Go to accessastory.com, click on the banner, and we'll send you this free story pack. That's accessastory.com. Here's Beth again on the important people in her life and her experience of early married life in Vanuatu. So obviously your parents and your family are important people yeah. for you. Yeah. Um, I guess that remains to be true. But yes. when we think about this idea of important people in your life, yeah. what, who comes to mind? Best? Yeah. So obviously the first people that came to my mind were my, my husband and my child. Sure, yeah. Um, which is funny because they're relatively new people in my life. Yep. Um, not not new, new. Like I, I met Llewellyn in 2012. Yeah. Um, so that how long ago? That's like six, six and a half years mm. ago now. Um, but as far as the span of life goes, that's, that's short. But... Um, obviously, he's the most important person to me. I love that um, we bring out the best in each other yeah. and we challenge each other. Yeah. Um, and although life currently is never how I pictured it six and a half years ago when I first met him or before I met him, um, I see how we are able to encourage each other and release each other to be who God's created us mm. truly to be. Mm. And then just the fact that... Um, through a marriage and a relationship, you can make people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. quite remarkable yeah. and um, like that she didn't exist yeah. before us and yeah. it's because of us that she exists and I yeah. just think she's amazing. She's an amazing person even yeah. though she's my daughter and I love her. Yeah. As a human being, I think she's incredible and I yeah. see that she is half the world, half me but completely God's. Yeah, that's great. And um, so in that way she is a very important person to me and, I can't wait to continue to yeah. be a mum to her and see her grow up and, yeah. and hopefully point her towards Jesus. Yeah, that, so. that's, that's good. 
Now, now I do know that when you guys were first married, there was some, and this may be the content of another complete conversation. Yeah. Um, but you spent some time in Vanuatu. Yeah. Um, tell us about that. So that was the early months of your of your of your marriage. Yeah. Tell yeah. us a little bit about that. Yeah. So that that's my ne- the next question oh, um, that you've got the next conversation. <laughs> if you want me to jump yeah, straight no, on to it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, about that, so that's about a difficult challenge. You a faced. challenge. Yeah. So the most challenge. Tell us about that. Um, one of the most difficult challenges I've faced, but. Again, tied up with an incredible blessing. Yeah. So, I mean, that seems to be the way with challenges. But I'm saying that from the point of view of someone who hasn't yet experienced like enormous grief. Sure, yeah. Um, as someone who's just experienced, I guess, life changing circumstances. Yeah. And, and when you see God in those, yes, they're challenging, but yeah. they're also um, an extreme blessing. Yeah. So, um, my husband, uh, Llewellyn, when we first got our relationship first started, mm. Um, he got a job in Vanuatu. So mm. he, for the whole span of our dating relationship, he it was long distance. Yeah. Um, he was living in Vanuatu. Uh, a lot of people assume mission. He was actually just uh, coaching cricket yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in Vanuatu with the national cricket team, um, developing their junior programs. And uh, our relationship blossomed while he was over there. And uh, when we decided to get married, we felt very strongly that God was calling us back to Vanuatu yeah. for a season. Yeah. Um, for him to finish off the tasks that he had sort of undertaken there and to see whether or not that was a long-term location for Mm. us. I never in a million years before I met Llewellyn and before we were together, never considered cross-cultural ministry. Not because I don't think it's extremely important, just because it never seemed what God was pointing me towards. Um, And you can't underestimate how challenging it is being a fish out of water as far as culture goes. Yeah. And I don't think it's something that anyone completely understands until they've experienced it themselves. Um, not just because your skin's a different colour, your language is different, yeah. um, your clothes are different. They're the obvious things. It's it's the subtle things like sense of humour, sure. body language, yeah. um, cultural subtleties that you just, living there a year, still couldn't even skim the surface. Yeah. Living there 20 years, I knew people who were still learning things for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so as a as a people person, um, as a person who just craves fellowship and community, I found it extremely isolating. Yeah. Um, church particularly because I've always thrived in church. Yeah. I love church. Um, being with God's people is so important to me. And um, I love this idea of experiencing church in a different culture and mm. there were many, many great things attached to it. But... Mm. It was really, really hard for me to be like, the worship is so different. It's beautiful. You hear a sermon after church. You want to go talk to people. You want to pray with people and bless people. And you just can't have a conversation Mm. um, because your language isn't quite right. I did learn the language, but I still probably spoke at the capacity of a child in their eyes, um, which makes it really hard to do things like pick up on small talk, sense of humor, um, even theological language. Yeah. To, to be able to have an in-depth conversation about God was just really, really hard. Yeah. So I found church really hard and I just didn't really want to go towards the end because yeah. I felt um, on the outer. Yeah. And yeah. as someone who's always in church um, in my adult life, always been on the yeah. inner, yeah. <laughs> that was really hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's really hard. But um, what it has done is given me an extreme amount of sympathy for anyone who mm. in Australia is outside of their culture. Mm. Mm. And so if there are people in our church from a different culture, I have a different 
depth of understanding, I think, yeah. of what that must be like for them, not yeah. directly in their direct experience, but like as in their issues with language and subtleties, sure. but as in how, how that must be making them feel. Yeah. And so it, it, I guess it changes the way I try to relate to them yeah. and sympathise with them yeah. um, and try to make them feel at home and feel welcome. Can I, can I ask you what it was like for you to return? So it was about a year that you, yeah, guys, we were, there that you were there a year. as yep. a married couple. And, uh, people it's our talk- first year of marriage. Yeah, it's intense. It was um, intense. Uh, people talk in terms of reverse uh, culture shock yeah. and um, what it's what it's like to what it's like to return for them as well. So yeah. there's obviously the challenges of a culture while you're there, but in returning yep. that shifts your perspective or yeah. broadens your perspective. Yeah, for sure. Um, there's some things you noticed when, yeah. when you returned to Australia. Oh, absolutely! Like you, a collective culture and an individualistic culture. You can't. Sure. It can't be like more different. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, just the way that people live and, yeah. and a sense of community is completely yeah. different. Um, and I think one of the things that really shocked me coming back to Australia is just how caught up in our individual world mm. we are. Mm. Um, so in a collective culture, simplistically, it is that you consider the community first and you come second. Yeah. So your your very thought processes are bent towards us yeah. and then it's me. Whereas in our culture, it's the reverse. Yes. Um, it's me first and then it's us. Mm. Now, I'm not romanticising or demonising either. Yeah, yeah. Both have their pros and cons, but there are kingdom aspects to both cultures that I guess you delight in in a different yeah. way. And so the things that I loved about a collective community is just is the us because mm. it's so biblical, mm. you know, being us. And, and um, greeting people in the street, looking people in the eye, smiling at them, having what they call story on which is okay. the pigeon word for um, not just not just a small talk yeah. or a quick chat. It's yeah. a it's a yarn. Yeah. Um, and story yarn is a really important part of their culture. So yeah. if you're late for a meeting, no one even questions. You yeah. saw someone on the street. You have to you story. To you have to story yarn. Yeah. It would be really impolite to go. Yeah. Sorry, man. I got to run. Like yeah. we're in our culture. That's completely acceptable. Yeah. Like yeah. You, you invest in the us. Yeah. And so I remember being back in Adelaide probably just two weeks and um, in Rundle Mall for some reason. And first of all, Rundle Mall is just crazy anyway. Yeah, yeah. It's like so much stimulus, so much wealth. Yeah. Um, but there was a woman in a wheelchair probably. I was sitting on a bench watching people and there was a woman in a wheelchair probably about 50 metres away from mm. me trying to get into a shop. Mm-hmm. And she was st- struggling in her chair because it didn't quite fit on the angle that she was trying yeah. to get through. And I was watching this woman going, oh, poor thing. I was like, someone will stop. Yeah. and help her because there's hundreds of people walking by her. Um, and it wasn't that I wasn't like, I'm not going to go help her. Yeah, I was yeah. just like, I, I just assumed Surely. Yeah. someone's yeah. going to yeah. do that. And and nobody did and um, I was getting really distressed for this woman and eventually I, I like I, after probably a space of 15 seconds, I was like, no one's stopping. This is mm. so weird. I got up and I started walking across to go help her. By the time I'd actually got within five minutes of her, she'd, she'd, she no, she'd, she'd done okay. it herself. Yeah. Um, but I was when I was watching the people expecting someone to stop, I was like, it wasn't that those people weren't compassionate. Mm. Their eyes were down. Yeah. They were not even looking. Yeah. And so um, they're just so caught up in their world. Yeah. I'm sure if someone had seen her. Yeah. But I couldn't believe there were so many people and no one had actually stopped to look. Yeah. To see a person in need. Mm. And so Llewellyn and I talked about when we came back that we do our best to keep the best of both cultures at the heart of what we do and who we are. 
yeah. noticing people is a really important part of their culture that I think we've tried to maintain. The long weekend calls out to us. Busy roads, barbecues, speedboats, sunscreen. The story we're living seems so far removed from the story this weekend commemorates. And we know the challenge in schools, churches, or even on the family getaway. Unless we create the opportunity to gather around it, the power of the Easter story is swallowed up by the four-day weekend. That's why we've developed Crushed, an interactive story pack that will enable your group to experience the story afresh. Over 45 minutes, you will journey your group through the five scenes provided and then see how the Easter story might shape your long weekend. Go to accessastory.com, click on the banner, and we'll send you this free story pack. That's accessastory.com. Back to Beth on her perspective on faith and her hopes for the future. So you've just mentioned that uh, that experience of recognising the value in both cultures and making choices to integrate those things into mm. your life mm. and into the way that you interact with people. Yeah. Um, it, I, I guess it illustrates that there's going to be experiences in our lives that shape our shape our faith. Yes. Um, so that's a question that, that I've asked you in regards to how you would describe your faith. What mm. comes to mind for you there? So because I read through that question before and the first thing that came to mind, how would you describe your faith? I just put down air. Okay. I cannot imagine not having faith because it just is the very core and part of who I am yeah now I know that um faith is also that's sort of talking about it in a, a passive holistic kind of way something yep. that's all around you we don't yep. have to work to make air happen yeah um and I know there's a practical element of, of of faith of how you build into your faith and that and I could talk about that as well and I, yep. I might in a minute but yep. just if I it's hard for me to even think about what life would be like without it because mm. I just can't it's mm. who I am mm. and if I stopped having faith I wouldn't be who I am mm. because God has just allowed from those first moments of my life, as I describe, I can't separate my existence from him, his love, my experience of him amongst people. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, it's air. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Uh, in, in what, so the, the next question really is in what ways in, in, in you breathing that air, mm. uh, in what ways do you think that shaped you? Uh, so uh, a difficult question to ask is how would you describe yourself? It's so much easier to describe yeah, somebody else. So, I know. Uh, and so it might be, you might be asking, answering the question or how will you imagine someone else would yeah. describe you? Yeah. Um, but what, what's your response to that, Beth? How would you describe yourself knowing that um, the, I guess the life of faith has been something that's, that shaped your existence yeah yeah um so i mean the thing that i wrote down here was that i'm a, I'm a people person yeah um i think that's the most distinctive feature about me but connected to that life-giving faith is mm. that to me i see god in people i find people really interesting mm. um i it takes a lot for me to write a person off yeah. um, because I, I, I always see or I try to always see people as God has created them to be. And so it, it makes me feel drawn to people really instantly to be able to see God in people. I'm not saying that as a pat myself on the back, yeah. aren't I wonderful? But, yeah. but I mean, quite you honestly, recognize that in yourself. from a really young yeah. age, I just always wanted to be around people yeah. and... Um, you know, conversation's not hard for me yeah. because a, a key part of being a conversationalist is being interested in another person, yeah. and that's that comes naturally to yeah. me. I am, I am interested in other people, and um, I guess my my 
my heart for uh, evangelism and and even the work that I do in investing the next generation mm. is just this longing for people to understand that in themselves as well. Yeah. yeah. That when you look at a person, um, I, I struggle to not see people as beautiful, um, mm. you know, when they when we talk like specifically women, which women's issues are another thing that I'm really yep. passionate about. Yep. I struggle to see a woman as not beautiful yeah. um, because I see beauty as a much broader thing and, and that's a godly thing. And mm. so, you know, I see that in people, men as well, absolutely. Mm. But do you understand what yeah, I'm saying? I do. Yeah. Um, I can't disconnect those things. And so yeah. my heart is always like, I want you to see this in yourself as yeah. well because that's the connectedness between us. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I was just rambling. No, there, that's good. Like, <laughs> if I, I, that makes sense. So there's a few there's a few threads here. Um, so certainly in your passion for the next generation, mm. your heart to see others uh, know God, to breathe the air mm. that you breathe. Um, the, the I guess the value you've seen in, in your family situation, mm. but also in the challenge of connecting different cultures mm. into your into your life together as a as a family. Mm. What um, what do you hope for in the in the future? And maybe your context mm. is family. Maybe it's ministry mm. uh, maybe it doesn't need to be a context like yeah. just that that question what do you hope to see yeah in the future yeah that's a good question in my future I see ministry mm-hmm. <laughs> that's very broad yeah as as much as I love my role and appreciate my role I think the limitation of my role at the moment is it's more administration and facilitation sure. yeah. and it is people yeah. and I, I do have a people aspect to it yeah. which when you ask me what I love about it I went straight to Absolutely. people yeah. as you might have noticed yeah. all those things sort of point to pastoral ministry yeah which is something my husband and I are both exploring and exploring together and so I guess my hope um, for the future would be that we find a way to do ministry well and to do family well because I want to also I don't believe Jesus calls us to sacrifice the discipleship of our own family and children for the sake of the church I I think you know God's called me to be a parent and part of being a parent is raising my children to to model faith and to teach and direct yeah. in faith so that they can have the best chance. So uh, my hope is that we find some way to do family well yeah. and to do ministry well and those things can be um, go hand in hand. Yeah. I love um, even in you saying that, uh, Hosanna coming up and sitting on your lap for a while yeah, and, yeah. and going down again. And there's a couple of things I really like about what you've just said. Uh, one is that sense of being called as, um, for me, as a husband and father, mm. first before a minister of the, mm. of the, of the church or, mm. or um, and seeing somehow that they're, they're not... Uh, they're not two separate things. Yeah. That that family is a part of kingdom, um, and it's often through family that yeah. we get to be a part of what God's doing. That's it. Um, the other thing I really love, Beth, is uh, the expectation you have. Like, and I'm really excited for you. Probably you're more excited, but I'm excited for you as you head into this next season with a mm. with a new little one coming in mm. February. Um, but I love the language you use around the expectation you have to see. Um, your role in some way continue on after a, a time of ma- maternity leave. Yeah, uh, yeah, for this. Sure. And um, uh, I, th- I think that um, both uh, both you and Llewellyn are a real blessing to the church here in mm. South Australia. Thanks, uh, and look forward to yeah, just seeing what, what God does through you. So thanks Thank for chatting you. today. No worries. It's great. You've been with Trav Johnson on the Access to Story podcast, discovering more about faith formation, culture, and the story of God. Remember, follow us on accessthestory.com, or you can catch up with me on travjohnson.com.